I'm the person who fields all of the questions that we get in our inbox and, and um, all the voicemails that we get. And I'm trying to pick the ones that I think are the most interesting. I hear hundreds and hundreds of calls, and it's really interesting for me. But I think just at an anthropological level, uh, it's really fascinating just to get these little peeks into people's lives through their kitchen window. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm senior editor Anna Huesel, here with editor-in-chief Matt Rodbard. Today, Anna's talking to Rushikesh Herway, the musician behind the 1AM radio and the podcaster behind Song Exploder, the West Wing Weekly, and Home Cooking, which he co-hosts with Samin Nasrat. He's also the host and executive producer of Netflix's adaptation of Song Exploder. I first met Rushi through my friend Amit, actually. Hi, Amit. Shout out to Amit. And among all of Rushi's podcasting, producing, songwriting achievements, Rishi is also notable in my life because he's the first person who noticed months into me writing a book about lasagna that my name, Anna Hiesel, is actually lasagna backwards. This totally blew my mind. You know, Anna, that alone qualifies him as a food expert in my book. I agree. And Rishi's food and food pun expertise definitely doesn't end there. He's a big cookie enthusiast always on the hunt for a new cookie to try. He also has a newsletter called Accept Cookies, which I will link to in the program notes. In the meantime, here's our conversation. Welcome to the Taste Podcast, Rishi. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. A lot of people know you as a musician, and a lot of people know you as the host of Song Exploder, an awesome podcast, and now a Netflix series, too. <laughs> but you're also the co-host of Home Cooking, along with Samin Nosrat. Samin was actually our first ever podcast guest on the Taste Podcast. Yeah. Um, and now you're working on a cooking podcast with Samin called Home Cooking. What made you decide to make a home cooking podcast? What really uh, got us going was the pandemic. Um, we had actually been talking about making a podcast for a long time before that, but the pandemic was what uh, what really got us into gear. Um, but let me let me go back. I guess the the original idea was uh, something that I pitched to Samin um, a couple years before that in late 2018. I I told her we should start a podcast called Chef Detective. Samin Nasrat colon Chef Detective. Because uh, I had just been through this experience where she solved this mystery for me, where I was trying to make um, my sort of traditional Thanksgiving dessert, my mom's traditional Thanksgiving dessert, which was mango pie, which is just one of my favorite things to eat in the entire world. She started making it for Thanksgiving, and I try and keep it to Thanksgiving because otherwise I would eat it all the time. You know, I was making it, my, my family was coming into town, and uh, so I was practicing to see if I could get it right. And, um, you know, it's a mixture of mango puree and cream cheese and Cool Whip, and uh, it's incredible. But when I made it, um, there was this weird texture to it. I was getting these, like, little little tiny flecks of white globs in it. I was like, I don't know what's going wrong. What's going on here? Why it's not turning out right? This is definitely not how my mom, you know, when my mom would make it, it would be perfectly smooth. 
Um, I didn't want to call my mom to ask her because I was a little embarrassed about getting it wrong, getting her own recipe wrong, this thing I'd grown up eating. So I called Samin and I was like, what do you think is the problem here? And, uh, and she correctly figured out that it was because I had not let the um, ingredients all come to room temperature before combining them all. And uh, even though that was not something I remembered my mom doing, she was right. And, and that fixed it. And so after that, I was like, okay, this should be a show. You should just do this. We should take, you know, questions from people and and then solve them. And I can be your co-host slash producer and, uh, you know, put the show together. Um, and she she laughed and she was like, yeah, I'm way too busy. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and uh, um, she was just sort of finishing up with uh, the Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat TV show. And then um, I was just starting on the Song Exploder TV show. So it, it just became something that we kind of would talk about it was kind of a running joke um for for about a year and a half and then when the pandemic hit it seemed like actually there was a real need for people to get some advice on how to cook you know in a really hands-on practical way not necessarily the sort of elaborate like solve a mystery thing that that we'd been talking about with chef detective but just in a really concrete direct way so i i went back to her and i said okay now's the time i think for us to really do this podcast and we can do it like this we'll do it as a call-in show um, answer questions. People are going to have all sorts of questions. Everybody's stuck at home. How do we do it? Where everybody's going to be stuck at home cooking. We should call it home cooking. I love that. And I love that it's a call-in show because a lot of podcasts don't really have a call-in element. They're more of like a straightforward conversation between two people. How has like the call-in aspect of it sort of changed how you think about cooking like have there been any big kind of takeaways about what people's cooking anxieties are or like what people's most burning types of questions are one of the things that i love about the call-in aspect of it is that um you just get exposed to all kinds of different ideas you know because you're exposed to so many different situations and even being exposed to people's problems there are problems that I, you know, hadn't thought about, the problems that I hadn't encountered. And so then the solutions that you have to come up with um, that, you know, I'll be honest, Sumin is the person coming up with 95% of the time on our show. Um, I just get to sort of sit back and and hear her kind of wrestle with those things. But even just as a listener, and um, because not only do I get to hear all the ones we answer on the show, I'm the person who fields all of the questions that we get in our inbox and, and um, all the voicemails that we get. And I'm trying to f- pick the ones that I think are the most interesting, even more than, than what I end up playing for Samin. I hear hundreds and hundreds of, of calls um, from folks who are trying to figure things out. And it's really interesting for me, certainly in terms of thinking about how I might cook things or new things that I might want to try making. But I think just at an anthropological level, which is where my interest in the show really lies. Uh, it's really fascinating just to get these little peeks into people's lives through their through their kitchen window. Definitely. And also, so many of our cooking habits changed during the pandemic. Did your cooking change much? Or were there any like major skills or sort of categories of cooking that you jumped into in the last year and a half that you just maybe never had a chance to before? Well, one thing that um, that changed was breakfast for me. I never really ate breakfast before, um, but 
part of that was because there wasn't time, you know, that didn't feel like uh, it was worthwhile. <laughs> and uh, then when we had so much time, um, it started to be something, okay, well, what's something that we could do? Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, my wife was furloughed from her job. Um, and so she was down to working just one day a week. So she really had a lot of free time on her hands. I, on the other hand, you know, ended up starting this other podcast on top of doing the, I was still in the middle of production on the Song Exploder Netflix show, and I was still doing the Song Exploder podcast, the regular podcast as well, uh, plus this other podcast that I was working on called Partners. So suddenly I had just gone from very busy to busier. And then in, on the other hand, she had all this free time. So I got the lucky benefit of while I was talking about cooking and um, hearing all these ideas on the show, I would be like, why don't we try something like this? And then and then if my wife, Lindsay, got excited about it, then she might be like, oh, let me, let me, you know, experiment with that. She was doing all the other things that people were doing too. She was learning how to make sourdough bread and stuff. But, um, but breakfast was, was an exciting thing. It was actually bef- just before the pandemic that I started getting into trying to figure out how to make breakfast because as you know, and I have a real problem with um, my sweet tooth. Very. I do know that about you. <laughs> yeah. Mango pie is only the beginning. That's right. Um, and part of the reason why I wasn't eating breakfast was because like breakfast options were so sweet. Usually all the breakfasts that I'm most interested in are basically dessert that you have first thing in the morning. And, um, and in an effort to try and eat less dessert all the time in trying to figure out like ways to eat something, you know, because all these nutritionists are like, no, you should eat breakfast. It's, it's good for your metabolism. And also it's just fun to eat something if you can figure it out. Um, one of the things that we started doing was, um, these like savory oats. And, uh, that was like a big revelation. I actually just had some today as well, um, where it was like a, a, a combination of um, oats cooked in vegetable stock. And um, my wife and I don't really eat meat that much. Uh, she doesn't eat at all. She's vegan and I try not to eat that much meat. And uh, so we do like Beyond Burger and savory oats and spinach. And um, it was really, really good. Uh, some some um, Calabrian peppers. And, awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't... It was something I had never had before. Um, that was like w- maybe one of the greatest pandemic cooking discoveries for me. Are you like a steel cut oats person or are you more of a ro- like a classic, you know, Quaker oats kind of a person? Steel cut oats. Yeah, me too, especially when, when it's savory. Like I think I feel like the texture is a little closer to rice or like other kind of savory grains that I associate with those flavors. Yeah, exactly. And then sometimes we switch it up and do uh, quinoa instead. Awesome. Well, I love hearing you and Samin talk about cooking. And Samin has written about some of your family recipes for her New York Times column. I've cooked the mango pie before. It's so awesome. One of the things that I think is so cool about that pie is that it uses canned Alfonso mango, which is like very easy to find and very delicious, but I just don't see it in that many desserts. Are there any other ways that you like to cook with canned mango? I mean, the easiest thing to do, you know, the the sort of beta version of the pie, if you're not ready to, to make the pies, you can just 
use that to make mango lussies. Oh, yeah. You're basically just doing the filling of the pie <laughs> um, and Minus a, a drinkable version. Yeah, exactly. A drinkable version of it. Yeah, definitely. I'll also, like, I think I'm not going to say that graham cracker crusts are underrated because they're obviously wildly popular. But I mean, having just come out of Thanksgiving, I think that butter crusts might be a little bit overrated. They're so hard to get right. And when it comes to a classic cookie crust, it's just so hard to go wrong. I I also love the little bit of saltiness in the graham cracker crust. I think especially it, it um, at Thanksgiving, you know, when for our Thanksgivings, you know, there's always like a range of desserts. Even if there's only four people at our house, there's usually four pies. And one of the things that I love about the graham cracker crust is that it, you, there's a little bit of saltiness there instead of just sweet, 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 sweet. Definitely. And there's also like an opportunity when you're mixing cracker crumbs with some kind of butter, you can also incorporate other flavors, like other spices. I think there's a little bit of cardamom in your mango pie recipe too. Well, that's that's Samin's modification for sure. Because in my mango pie, I go to the store and I buy a graham cracker crust. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Which is also a solid plan. I mean... People buy the store-bought graham cracker crusts for a reason. They make them really well. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I was going to say about Alfonso mango puree, in the summertime, you know, this is just a variation on the um, on the uh, mango lussi, but you could take that same mixture and then freeze it and make um, a mango, Alfonso mango puree uh, popsicle. That's such a good idea. Do you add any sugar or anything or like just straight out of the can? Well, the can actually, the canned version of um, Alfonso Mango usually has sugar added to it. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. The other thing is like canned Alfonso, Alfonso Mango has such a distinct kind of special like floral flavor to it, but it's, it's a little hard to find fresh Alfonso Mangoes. Yeah, I would even say it's not that easy to find the canned um, Alfonso puree because a lot of the times, like even in the grocery store, Indian grocery store near me, they predominantly have queso mango puree, and uh, I had to I had to like mail order the the Alfonso mango. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I live on the east side of LA, and the one the Indian store over here doesn't have it, but then there's one on the west side that does. So you can also make the track. You know, like you have to you have to scout for it a little bit. But yeah, the actual Alfonso mangoes, very hard to find. There's so many different varieties of mangoes. Definitely. Um, and so so much variation in flavor like among all of those. Talking about Chef Detective made me actually think about some of the parallels between a song exploder and like making a podcast about cooking. Because, you know, in Song Exploder, you're having these one-on-one conversations with musicians. And sort of doing some of the detective work into how a song came together, like from a writing standpoint, from a production standpoint. And there are a lot of similar processes when it comes to chefs making a dish, too. Yeah. And one of the things I always got tickled by was the idea that in home cooking, even though we, um, we were doing that together in our separate lives, I work on Song Exploder and, you know, ask people to tell the story of this sort of 
elements that went into making a song. And then Samin did Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, which is about the elements of cooking. You know, that there's both something um, in our work about uh, the kind of building blocks that go into making something. Definitely. I recently subscribed to your newsletter, which um, is called Accept Cookies. <laughs> I know that you're a little bit passionate about cookies. Have you had any really awesome ones recently? Most recently, the cookie that I've been eating uh, is a cookie that I've eaten a lot, um, partly because it's vegan, and so Lindsay can have it too. Um, but even if it weren't vegan, it would still be maybe my favorite store-bought cookie uh, in the world, which is Uncle Eddie's vegan uh, oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. Have you had those before? No. Tell me more. Oh, they're so good. Um, I would never guess that they're vegan. They don't taste in any kind of way less than or it, like anything's been substituted. They're oatmeal chocolate chip cookies, and uh, they have some coconut in them. Uh, I love coconut. And the, the chocolate they that they use is really good. They're They're a little bit chewy and a little bit crumbly that just everything about them they're they're soft they're, the texture is great yeah i don't think that there's a better chocolate chip cookie that you can buy in the store that's such a good tip and they're vegan and they're vegan chocolate can be a real uh tough thing when it comes to vegan baking i think because there's so many types of chocolate out there that are like a little too sweet or like the texture is just a little off so it's hard to nail the perfect vegan chocolate yeah, I think that one of the things that makes this one so good is, again, there's a little bit of um, a little bit of saltiness to the cookie overall, and um, they're using a pretty dark chocolate. Yeah, I love a dark chocolate in a cookie with just sort of the balance of sweet cookie dough, dark bitter chocolate, a little bit of salt. Yeah, like if I could make this cookie at home, I would because it's what I want to eat. But then I don't need to because they're already made. They're already in the aisle. Do you ever, I mean, this is something I do when I've made chocolate chip cookies a few days ago, just microwave the cookie for like 10 seconds a few days later, just so it gets a little warm and uh, soft. Have you tried that at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, before even ever making cookies, you know, I was a soft batch fan for most of my life i would say that was the best cookie you could buy in the store until i until i was introduced to the world of like whole foods and all sort of like the fancy grocery store stuff earlier in my life yeah soft batch and you know you do the trick of like you have to put a you put a paper towel down underneath and you put a paper towel on top oh i haven't tried that what does the paper towel do well i think it helps prevent it from drying out the other thing that i um started doing when I do it now is uh, reduce the power on the microwave. Oh, interesting. I've never even tried that even with like reheating food. Yeah. I mean, I got introduced to the idea of messing with power settings on, on the microwave when it came to like melting butter, because um, sometimes with baking cookies, I would want to use softened butter, but I would just end up melting it in the, in the microwave instead because you know, Really, you should just be leaving. You can just leave the butter out, but I'm never that good about planning ahead. So I would be like, oh, wait, I'm going to make something. Oh, I need butter. Oh, it's cold. It's coming out of the fridge. So so to soften it um, without melting it, um, I started, yeah, started getting into the power settings on the microwave. That's an amazing tip. Do you have any big baking plans for this winter? 
I didn't, but now that you've asked me now, I'm thinking maybe I, I will. You know, there's this one cookie that I've been sort of chasing um, for a long time that I, I don't think that I've completely nailed yet. So there's this there's a store in San Francisco called Chocolate Covered, and they sell this spicy pistachio bark dark chocolate. Wow. Um, and I really love it. I Every time I go to San Francisco, I try and get some. I've Even at the beginning of the, the pandemic, I ordered a bunch from them so I would have it because I was like, when am I going to get it again? And I have for a few years been trying to make the cookie version of, of that. Like what is a spicy dark chocolate pistachio cookie? Um, and I haven't haven't gotten it yet, mainly because I think the pistachios are, are, are a little tricky for me, getting them to be pleasant in a in cookie form I, I haven't quite nailed it yet so maybe i'll go back to that uh might, might be ready to try again are you by any chance familiar with dory greenspan's world peace cookies that recipe? yes yeah i have not tried making them though i'm i'm daunted because i know they're supposed to you know it's like i think i'm still ju- very much a junior varsity uh baker and i'm not ready to try and go for the gold they're really good. You should try it. And I also, I feel like a shortbread texture like that could be really good for the pistachios. Hmm. Interesting. You know, normally I'm not much of a shortbread fan, but the other day, oh, I had a really good shortbread at the Trails Cafe in Los Feliz in Griffith Park in, in Los Angeles. I went there with, uh, with my fellow uh, podcast friend, Nate DeMeo, who makes the Memory Palace. Um, who also lives in Los Feliz, and he said, "There's this lavender shortbread that I want to, uh, I want you to try." And I was like, "Okay, I'm not sure about shortbread, but sure, you know, if you like it so much, I'll try it." And then we went up there, and it was phenomenal. So I might be coming around on shortbread. Wow, and like a floral like lavender is, it can be kind of polarizing too. Like it's hard to strike the right balance. Yeah, on paper, I was like, "I'll do it just because you're my friend." But um, but then I had it and I was like, this is a fantastic cookie. You have some new music out right now. Um, tell me about what music projects you've been working on. Yeah, I, I have been working on an EP um, for the last several months, which is like the first music of my own that I've put out in a really long time. Like after I started Song Exploder, kind of the only room that I had in my life to make music was doing pro- like scoring projects. Um, working on on film and tv stuff for for other people and i didn't make songs of my own um until until you know about a year into the pandemic and um and then this spring i'm putting out an ep but the first couple songs from the ep have um, already come out that's very exciting where can people listen to them um you know you, you can find them on whatever your music platform of choices wherever you stream music or if you are the rare person who actually goes and you know like buys music it's on Bandcamp and places like that yeah the first two songs are out now so the first then the first one has yo-yo ma on it playing cello which was really exciting and, and i've the second listened one, to a sneak preview of your song with yo-yo ma it's incredible it's very beautiful oh thanks and the, and then the new song um has Jason um, on on vocals, guest vocals, um, and then the rest of the rest of the record will come out in March. Very cool. Well, Rishi, thank you so much for joining us on the Taste Podcast. Thanks for having me. 
The Taste Podcast is hosted by Matt Rodbard and me, Anna Hiesel. The show is produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Our theme music is by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening. <laughs>